welcome back to Life Education's podcast. Uh, myself and Caroline are with Grant Rose. Is that right? <laughs> that's, that's a good team. <laughs> Grant goes if you anglicize <laughs> Grant Rose. I'm stop embarrassing myself now. Um, you're originally from New Zealand. You're here in Dubai working with Fitness Link Middle East. Is that right? And then you've got another kind of startup happening in the bank. Yep. In, in the fitness industry, which f- feel free to talk about if you want. Um, but we wanted you to come along. You've been in Dubai for a few years. Yeah, eight years now. So you kind of know how this industry's been at the beginning, eight yeah, years ago. Eight years as a veteran for Dubai yeah. standards. Oh, geez. It is oldie. <laughs> I consider myself very young, by the way. <laughs> yeah. How long have you been here? Shh. Yeah. Okay. Ten. More than, more than eight. So, yeah, so you've seen the business change, but we've, you've also had your own projects left mm. and right you've done a lot of kind of startups and got projects off the ground seen them through moved on to the next one so we wanted just to kind of just to come in and have a chat because part of the website that we're running there's a section on the business of fitness like and we're at the moment we're focusing it around uh how pts can get their expertise out there you know how you can market yourself how you can separate yourself from people around you how you can exercise your niche um, and then build it into something, you know, something reputable, something professional, something that people kind of aspire to be eventually business owners overseeing overseeing different things. So um, perhaps just before we get to that, just introduce yourself from sort of where you came from. I know we spoke briefly, you were kind of all around New Zealand growing up. And then why it is you, met, you moved to Dubai and sort of got into the entrepreneurial world? Oh, yeah, I mean... So, born and bred in New Zealand, and New Zealand being a very active nation, active country, you kind of you're born into that lifestyle to start with. What um, kind of got me started in the fitness side of it was because I was so active playing sports through college and school and stuff like that. That there had been a um, a PE module where you learn about health and fitness, and that's what you, we did at school. And then from that module, it's kind of like well, it kind of fitted in with well, I like to be active, like to play sport. And it seemed like a natural progression to go into fitness side of things. So it was like a, if I remember correctly, it's a couple of years back now. So uh, I think it was like a three-month module where we were all learning about the basics of fitness. And it was just, it wasn't any PT course. It was just through our PE teacher. Um, and yeah, we went down to one of the local gyms. I mean, the gym had maybe, I think, 30 members, maybe 40 members. I mean, it's a small town of only 5,000 people. And But from there... It kind of got me addicted into the whole thing of being active, being healthy, and then um, assisting others or helping others achieve the same kind of things. Um, so yeah, then then that's from my very hometown, and then kind of from there, it's kind of developed. I've gone from a small town of maybe say fifteen thousand people, and then gone to a bigger town, which was Rotorua at the time, and that was like eighty thousand people, and shifted up to Auckland after that. And so things just kind of naturally progressed as I was looking to develop my skill sets further so um, after all I don't know what it was a few years end up at Les Mills in Auckland and uh, obviously they're very big with the group fitness went through the, like, the career kind of thing there developing skill sets from a gym instructor to a uh, yeah, consultant with facilities to help them run their businesses better and then kind of again natural progression was with Les Mills they've um, they obviously offer, offer their programs all around the world and Dubai was happened to be one of those programs, and it was in 2010, I believe now. Um, I came over to help them with their 10-year their launch, and it was a 
yeah, kind of open up the door, the opportunity to come over here, join the agency over here, and that's kind of what pulled me over to Dubai. I mean, that's the, the short story. Yeah. Kind of thing. I don't want to go long and, and deeply into it, but it's kind of what um, it gave me opportunities. Les Mills gave me opportunities to grow and discover other countries and their uh, their markets and how they've been developing and um, where they see maybe somewhere like Holland was very much more of a social scene as far as fitness, whereas back in New Zealand it was very hardcore. Uh, people, were, they wanted to be fit for a very good reason um, and they wanted to live life, live life better where the Dutch they went because they had, thought they had to that kind of thing you know but it allows me to get different perspectives from different companies different trainers different educations different um, different types of exercise systems that are out there in the world um, which gives me a bit of an understanding of I'm not biased towards anything I think it all has its own place and there's pros and cons to everything and I think in the fitness industry these days is there's so much on offer that people sometimes get lost and they don't focus on something they become a jack of all trades and they end up struggling within the, yeah. within the industry which is probably some of the point that um we find here in dubai dubai being a new a newer fitness nation um you find a lot of people will get into fitness blind if that makes any sense as far as they just think oh i want to for example i'm a pt it'd be great if i can just come into into dubai pick up some clients and, and go for it again people don't understand it's not easy just showing up, saying I'm a PT, and then all of a sudden you've got clients. It's not like that at all. Yeah. Um, people, you know, people don't spend enough time with the networks or doing the groundwork to establish themselves fully before moving on to things. So, um, actually, it's, it's pretty funny. You've been talking about what you were saying before. Um, people, somebody, how do they come into the industry? Yeah. Or why do they struggle here within the industry? I think it's. One of the biggest thing is um, people have lately have been trying to come into Dubai because they've got this notion of Dubai's got lots of money. So they think, oh, great, I can come here, I can charge a whole lot, and, and happy days, mm. away you go, right? Whereas it's not as easy, simple as easy as that. There's, yeah. um, there's laws and regulations and stuff like that that go on. But um, with more and more competition, with more and more um, systems or more gyms coming up, it makes it a lot harder to come into this industry and start making money off the bat so do you maybe on that tangent do you have some advice for people who are looking like where do people start if they're either moving to dubai or moving into the industry and want to get started what do they do where do they go uh, the biggest thing here is like dubai's network is very much about who you know um that's pretty much the bottom line of it and usually if you know someone that's well established or who's um who's got a network of their own whether, say, for example, if you know people in the magazine world or the media world that can talk amongst people that are like, like-minded like into activity, that's the easiest way to get into it. But I've always suggested to people that, you know, you, you come here, you join a club, you get known over here, even if you're like you, uh, well-established. So people from, from New Zealand and the UK have come across, they're very good at what they do, um, they've established themselves in those countries, but when they come to Dubai, it's a... A fresh start, yeah. you know, you're not you start at zero, yeah, exactly. Totally, thing. So, I always suggest to people to come over, spend a month here, uh, understanding what goes on in the market. There's different clubs that are available from the commercial ones like Fitness First 360, Gold's Gym, to those uh, boutique gyms because there's a big variance between what they offer to the employee. So, I always say to someone, if you're going to come and want to come to Dubai, come for a month, come for a holiday, assess out the market, see what's available in the market. 
so you can make a proper choice for yourself because there's so much variation yeah. that um, people just kind of think they can just show up and, and start PTing. Like they think they can go down to the beaches. But maybe five years ago, you could go down to the beach, you could start PTing people. Well, now these days you can't. You need, there's more permits, there's more mm. red tape needed. Um, so by establishing yourself with a club, it allows you to grow a base and get a bit of a, I suppose, a storyline behind you or a, yeah. um, a name for yourself over here as well. Yeah, I think for people moving here, it's it's kind of interesting because when you come from a different country, you've got no idea what someone in that industry should earn here. And you can have a lot of different gyms that, that will offer various different contracts and various different arrangements. Mm. And some of them without knowing, you walk into something that's actually not well suited for, for you as an individual, um, very much so in the favor of the facility as opposed to the individual. So mm. I see that a lot with people so it's what you were saying about establishing a network being able to speak to people within that industry so you can find out like what do what do people earn in this industry what is the right kind of contract what is an arrangement that works both because you have to be even you can't also um just be in it for yourself you need to also support the facility that you're working for or at um well that's because people miss like when people come out they think dubai's got lots of money right or the ue's got lots of money half the people don't even realize that dubai is just an emirate of the UAE, right? So people don't actually have an understanding about this country. And then when they come here, like the businesses, businesses here are about making money themselves. Yeah. So they're not mm-hmm. about bringing people over for them to make money. Yeah. The business wants to make the money themselves, you yeah. know? So um, they usually find that they'll struggle themselves. The PT, sorry, will struggle themselves because they're supplying or supporting the business. Mm. Um, but businesses, like just being on the other end of it, like they, they're, it's ex- very expensive to run here. Like rent is just astronomical. It's so astronomical here. So if you, if you really start to look at it from a business perspective, you can understand why these businesses are like, well, no, actually we have to pay you this much because then we're just not making any money. Like they can't even stay mm. open. Yeah, totally. Um, um, I don't know if you guys noticed, but you've noticed that um, that when you a lot of people come here, they start with a company. They usually last for about six months, and then they go out on their own, or they find their own thing, mm-hmm. or they try and start up their own thing after six months. You know, because um, the you know, and that's and that's probably the realization that people have to understand is that yeah, you know, when you're coming over here, it's hard to start up, it's hard to get that base network of, of clientele. Um, but a company, when you join a company, they do provide that for you. They put up you. Uh, they help provide you with networks to build your business and, and grow. So, you know, it's kind of a, a small, short-term sacrifice for it to end up being a long-term yeah. gain. Yeah, when, when I first arrived, and my, my colleagues, we did, we must have done the best part of two to three years between us mm. before deciding to set up our own, our own freelance company. And we have been having the conversation about it for a long time before we actually made the made the step mm. and i can see how people get frustrated in these jobs you know because it's you come over as a pt and you, you are in 50 percent of what the people are paying and you're working 6 a.m till mm. 10 p.m and as a pt you don't you don't see the costs that the gym are paying to their bills their suppliers yeah so you feel like you're putting the money in the pocket of the that one owner 
yeah, yeah. That, that you know. But it's I I feel like that's a very narrow view. Yeah, it's a very very narrow view, and I think that a lot of PTs go out on their own because they're like, well, I'm not going to give the gym fifty percent. Yeah. I'm going to take fifty percent. But what they don't realize is that that facility is also paying for your visa, for your medical insurance, for you know your end of service benefits. It's also paying for so many other gratuity. Um, they're also giving you the platform and all the equipment that you need to hone your skill and develop yeah. your, your profession. And they're paying the rent and marketing costs yeah. and bills, and which here, oh, astronomical. Yeah, they go through the roof, right? Yeah. yeah totally. Yeah, that, that is a big thing. Um, you know, when, you, when you think about it, and that's when you, when you guys, when you, there's a lot of things you guys looked into before you took that step yeah. and, and developed and started your own business on top of that. Um, Dubai is also very different from the other countries around the world. I mean, back in New Zealand, I mean, you do uh, probably a, a three-month training course, and then you can train anywhere, train in parks, train on the beach, and anything mm. like that, right? But there's also a lot of workshops, a lot more development, there's a lot more support in the industry to help people um, develop their educations. Yeah. Um, starting up a business back in New Zealand, it's actually $50 you yeah, know, it's so easy. Done, yeah. you know, away, away you go. Um, and people don't realize that about Dubai. I mean, if you ask me, I think Dubai, in not a, not a bad way, you know, people come here to make money. And it's simple as that. And that you've got to, I think you've got to accept that, you know, as, as a PT, if you're if a PT coming over here, that that's why you're going to give away your 50% of your sessions because there's other costs involved. And it's not easy, you know, if you want to start up your business, you can spend anywhere from, well, maybe 40 thousand for a freelance um license yeah. to six hundred thousand for a small facility you yeah know, and then you've got to pay all the equipment and everything on top of that you know so if you haven't got the capital it's very hard to do so for pts that's why it's always recommended come over for a month see the different boutique clubs available yeah. the commercial side of it see what kind of things they offer and then really what is are you willing to sacrifice or what are you willing to do i should say before getting involved in the industry yeah we so when we left the the gym that we work for they're no longer in business now but we went into the freelance world and it was very clear the people who the people who were uh i won't say the most successful but the people who had the most regular kind of clients and the most stable businesses were the ones who had come from a a, a large chain mm. they've been in dubai for a couple of years working there yes they've been paid a small percentage of what the, the client was paying but at the time, you know, that's almost that that's what you're worth t- to these people because you don't have the skill set to run a business yet. You just yeah. have to go in and, and, and do your do your thing, do your, do what you are able to do and what you're able to do is just coach people. Yeah. Um the the running a business stuff, that comes later. But there's a lot of people who fly in and you can kinda see them online, you see them on social media, you know. A new com- a new freelance company has a new trainer s- straight from from the UK or straight from yeah. Australia, and the, pe- the the person looks good on paper, and but the person's expectations weren't managed mm. accurately. Absolutely. So often you see people tra- back home. You know, you get yeah. to know them over six months, and they're in the freelance world, and they're looking for clients. They're looking for this, and either they they get I won't say desperate, but they get. They start taking clients on that they possibly shouldn't be taking on. You know, go, get the goals aren't aligned to the skill set mm-hmm. um, and because they need to pay rent. We've talked about this on previous podcasts before where people, people just do what they have to do t- to make the money so they can stay afloat. And sometimes that just grinds down on trainers, that grinds down on coaches. And 
they become like desperate within themselves for 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 better growth and they end up just going back to wherever they came from and it's yeah it's an awful it must be an awful experience for them oh it is i mean and that's the big thing over here is that there's also there's a um there's a mindset for some reason i see that you know if you come from the uk australia or america or new zealand you come across here you know you deal with people that are a bit more i suppose the word i use is hearty the people over there they want to train they want to go hard and they want to perform well we're over here you know the the trainers uh, sorry the people that are doing the training they just come along because they think they have to or it's a status thing but what ends up happening is that these trainers they as you said they do they just do a bit of work they do work for a club they want to go on their own because they feel like they've been un, uh, un, yeah. unjust and then what happens is that yes you're very good at coaching but doesn't mean you have the ability to run a business 100 percent, and that's the biggest clash so we have true we have with people and and that's where you end up seeing the stresses that end up because then they have to deal with the financial side of things yeah. and i'm not sure you know they think oh, i'm very good at what i do and you know they usually are but like the best coaches aren't always the best players or the best players aren't the best businessmen yeah look and i can vouch for that 100 percent personally for me and i know the guys i work with now mm. you're looking at four sports science geeks mm. who barely knew like barely knew anything about business mm. lucky for us in our we had four of us so we we just about made it <laughs> <laughs> you know the four brains working together i'm good at this you're good at that you're good at math right you do the finance what are you good at mm. social media right you do social media yeah i don't have time to do all these things you right. don't have to so lucky for us we have we got very very fortunate um that we managed to stay afloat for now we've been two and a half years and We've, we've got a, an employee now and mm. even that's like right we need to be careful who we employ because we had our expectations mismanaged mm-hmm. four and a half years ago yeah. through no fault of the manager at the time he had the best motivation you know he wanted he had a motivation he had drive he knew what he wanted to build mm. he was a fantastic coach he was a fantastic people's person but he wasn't a fantastic businessman yeah. do you know and at the time, being one of his employees, we looked and we criticized and we thought, hey, you should do it this way. I you know, do it that see, way. That, that hurts me because I manage a studio and man, it's really, it's hard. Yeah. I think it's really hard because on one end, you have all of these financial obligations and these targets and all of these commitments. And on the other end, you have people that all their life was, well, can I get paid more? Can I get paid more? Can I get paid more? And it's like, guys, like you need to be reasonable and some, yeah, that's all I'm going to yeah, say. Yeah, it's because, <laughs> it's because they, they, like you said, the reason why they came was they thought Dubai had loads of money. They'd be paid tax-free and they'd be on the beach all day, a couple of clients in the morning and they'd be super rich. And that's not the reality of it at all when you, when you arrive. But now... What is the term? It's a British term. Graft? Is that... Do you've got a graft. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> is that you, the right word? That is the term for when yes. you have to work your <laughs> yes. ass off. <laughs> yeah, if that's what you're referring to. That's yeah. what grafting means. See, in us, grafting is different, right? What is it? It's like something that you do when you build. <laughs> I'm a Kiwi. <laughs> well, that could be that could be We're where it's derived from. Southern Hemisphere. <laughs> same. That, that could be where it's derived from. Like you've got to you've got to graft. You've got to put the work in. You yeah, have to. Uh, but like. However long, many years it is now, like I can totally appreciate the stress and strains that that guy was under, mm. you know? And only now, well, in the last maybe two years, you can appreciate, like, the the, the amount of room there is to get it wrong mm. as a business owner, not a coach. Because as, as a coach, you can make par, you can, you can go out, you can get 
six seven clients a week you can earn good money per hour but that's it for you mm. that's it if you don't know how to transition into a proper business into yeah. a business yeah. you're doing that forever and you're doing that when your wife is at home trying to feed the baby in the morning and you're doing that when the kids get home from school yeah, yeah, yeah. in your in your thir- late 30s and 40s so where do you go from there how do you transition from the coach into the business owner where you now have uh-huh. you're now the guy you hated the key question right yeah <laughs> that's the hardest thing it's, well, see, it's, uh, that's y- where the tables turn totally you, know. you swallow your own like yeah you become the you become what you what you disliked at the start yeah you get a lot of learnings if, uh, i've just done a, um i did a talk actually about two weeks ago as about passion versus profit and the idea is that like people get into the fitness industry because they love activity i mean there's there's some freedoms about the lifestyle you can have as a, as a PT or a yoga instructor or things like that or a sports coach um, you know you get to spend more time during the day you can run your own if you're a freelancer you can have, pick your own timings you can do that kind of thing and you love what you do and then you know you're helping other people so very people are very passionate about whether it be a yoga instructor tennis coach or a PT um, and they've got a great passion and then the, yeah like that conversion into business you've got to start looking at okay if I'm going to develop a business really what is my skill set and who is my demographic? Who am I actually trying to target? We over here, people get stuck in the hole. I want to teach everybody. I'm going to show everybody how to. Um, well, if you're a PT, for example, they say that they can help everybody lose weight, or they can help everybody lift more, they can help everybody yeah. run faster. Yeah. When they don't just go and focus on one specific demographic and work with them. Like finding a niche, right? Finding a niche is a, is a key element to establishing your business. First of all, you can say, okay, I'm, I'm great at this, and this is how I establish my business. And that's where most PTs struggle, um, first as a freelancer, and then especially when they try and jump into a full business and open their own studio. So that's the biggest issue I've always seen, not just here in Dubai, but, but other places as well, as they all try and do too much, too yeah. often. I've seen... Uh, it's too in- quickly. Yeah. Far too quickly. Expectations... Yeah. Looking down the line, oh, I'll do this in like six months. No, 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 no. Yeah, I've seen some studios where it's like they're a yoga studio and then they have like Les Mills. Or mm. you see, um, you see, a, yeah, I... Well, they're trying to offer every yoga. I'm not going to like specify what studio that is, but I've seen like studios that it's like you do yoga, stay with it, like focus, mm. like do whatever you're doing well and find find that as opposed to trying to do everything and offering dance classes and Pilates and then like 50 million other things. Totally. Like stay with your... That's why it's really important, I feel, that when you're coming over here into this industry or even in another industry is to look at um, what is your skill set, be honest with yourself, what your skill set is, and then try and find those um, those companies or those organizations that replicate your key skill set, your strengths. So you join those guys. Um, you know, if you're sports science and work for people that are in sports science, if you just want to do weight loss or you just want to group fitness, that's where you should be, especially to establish yourself. You have a better, um, get a better rapport. You have a better relationship with the people you work with, and that relationship that ultimately gives you your name within the industry. And as long as you stick with that, you'll keep growing a stronger name. Um, but yeah, being jack of all trades does not work. No, not not at all. Now, we've spoken about on, on the podcast before, though. There's that initial f- phase when you start in the career where you need to expose yourself to as much as you can. Yeah. So you do need to be like the apprentice jack of all trades mm-hmm. where you meet the, the pregnant lady and you go, nope, don't know what to do here. Mm-hmm. And you meet the injured person and you go, this is, this is too much for me. 
you meet the, the guy who wants to get on stage and go right i can i can jive with this guy and you meet the person who wants to lose weight so now you know right this is not me i'm gonna go down this way mm-hmm. but then you gotta try and passion versus profit isn't it like you just said you gotta not make sacrifices but you gotta try and market yourself you gotta try and shape yourself you gotta try and you know focus on what you want to be good at totally and what that leads to is that you create start creating networks so if you say like okay I, let's say i'm good at teaching sports or sport movement great then that's my key if someone comes to me about weight loss then i would hand them over to someone else and then if it's not about weight loss, then I'm talking about strength training or weightlifting, Olympic weightlifting. If you send them to a, a specialist in the area, and what you end up doing is you end up creating a network where you bounce off each other yeah. and you create a better business either as an individual or if you go into the studio side of things, you start opening up. And, and there's a big fear factor over here. People yeah. um, have this fear of, of loss. First of all, obviously, when they come over here, they have expectations that they, Dubai can make lots of money. Then, but then what they start to realize, actually, there's a lot of expenses living here as well even just your personal expenses living travel um accommodation food and all that kind of thing right and so what they get caught into is the fact that they want to keep and maintain these clients because maybe they've only got their six or yeah. eight clients and they're only doing maybe 15 sessions um in a, in a week and they're starting to go like oh geez i don't want to hand them over to someone else yeah because that's that's 200 dirhams 300 dirhams or 400 dirhams whatever the charging per session and yeah. there's that loss so they hold on to them and they try and do everything and they don't have a network they don't work with others to build a stronger relationship with these guys and ultimately yeah it's, it's breaking through and the ones that do well are the ones that say look here's my skill set I focus on this I'm going to hand those people off because yeah. it, it, there's a return there's people will come back not maybe immediately but you have to let that go to start with so yeah. that you know if I'm referring to you they'll usually refer back to me usually yeah. I do that. I that personally, I do that with nutrition. Mm. I can help people with nutrition. Like, I, yep, here's my advice. Right, this is what you're eating. Cut this out. Cut this out. Cut this out. Try eating this. Okay. If you want real specialist advice, you're gonna go see this person. And I, I work with a British girl who's fantastic. Mm. But I make no sort of excuses. I go, look, I can help you, but nutrition is a whole other realm where you need an expert. Yeah. You need an expert who knows you. You need someone who can call on all of their experience to say you're. We're going to try this, this, and this from the beginning, like from your first diet plan. So just go see this person. And to be fair to the girl, she does a fantastic job. I don't know if she's referred people back to me, but that's not really what I'm looking for because mm. I have my other pipelines and I'm, I have my other referral networks. But people come back to me feeling good that they've got the right help. So now they're starting to lose weight. Mm-hmm. That's all that matters. Totally. So I'm able to look after the gym training, mm-hmm. which is what they need. So my... I'm not threatened. My revenue is not threatened. They still need to train, mm-hmm. but they also need more support. So let's get them the support from the nutritionist. And then we have a three-way dialogue with the nutritionist. She sends me the results. And what works well is I'm not being the food police to these clients. This is, so this is my personal, this is what I've learned as a result. This is what I decided going into it. But now I can say, the, gr- the girl's name is Jenna. She works at Body Inc., and I can say, you know, when are you seeing Janet again? Mm. Oh, no, next week. I'm like, you better sort your diet out because Janet's not going to be happy. Yeah. And I can be like, da, 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 da. That and sounds then, a little bit like the food police. <laughs> no, but then, they, but then they can say, but but it's not me. So they can tell me, mm. oh, no, I haven't done this. And I'm not going to be the one telling them off. Mm. So they can, we can talk about it mm. calmly. They're not under pressure for me. And then they need to go back mm. to see her. 
Um, and then I can also play good cop. She's the bad cop. Do you know, yeah. you know, with with their diet, and we can help them properly. And it's just when when I finally f- found her, and she did a good job with two or three people, I was like, perfect. Yeah. This is exactly what I mean because this is a load off my plate. I don't need to sit down with clients now and go through f- food plans, and I don't need to try and analyze this and put this on norms and body composition and, and mm. different whatever it's not now I, I'm free of that yeah. so now I can go spend my time reading something else or I can spend my time actually with another whatever learning something else in my realm Yeah. so and then I mean people do it with physios they do it with doctors you, you're going to get to a certain point of your expertise and go too much for me go see that person I think that's crucially important but it's, there's not always the reliance on I need you to send me back clients you can also just that person gets better Massively at their thing. Yeah, the, uh, <laughs> you, I think you've really hit on the key factor there, and that's what makes um, networking very powerful. Because in the day, what you've done is you know you've given to someone else. She's got a better service as a whole, and that service, you know, it's for that person. It's that emotional attachment now that they've got. Like I've got a really good result. I was really looked after. You know, it wasn't it wasn't a selfish feeling at all. And from that is word of mouth, and word of mouth is the biggest way to grow your business, right? So. When you've got someone that you know you to be able to let them go and say get a nutrition like you've done, you know at the end of the day, when she is recommending or talking to someone and they're looking for a trainer or they're looking for something nutritious, the first person they're going to think about is yourself. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, um, I think it's just so important to have networks. Um, from your experience, where do you find sort of trainers trip up, like? exactly right there where they just they, they have the fear factor of losing first of all the session so they try and they try and do too much and it takes away when they try and do too much um you hit on it there again where they lose their own time they try and think about too much and they're not focused on one thing so the service they offer becomes too um watered down for lack of another word of thinking in my head um and they're trying to be this be all end all personnel which doesn't work for most people because people, there are people that are better at certain things. Um, I think they have a, a bit of an expectation. Usually, it's an expectations of what I say. Hmm. Yeah, the biggest trip is they try and do too much and they offer too much, or they so I try and give them the magic pill with, with the trainers. So what they end up doing is they end up like no no networks, no word of mouth spreads around. Um, and they end up being just you know six months later, I can't, you know, I can't get clients. I can't get clients. Well, yes, because you probably, if the clientele you have worked with, you try to do everything with them. Um, everything badly as well. Potentially, yeah. potentially. Where this is a hypothetical, but yeah, yeah, totally, exactly. You know, you're not giving them. They are not getting the full benefits of what they should be getting. You know, um, and end up you know trying to do their own thing. It's like a you got to, most people don't understand that you can't just be a one man band. You know, teams work better than individuals. Two brains are better than one, hundred percent, right? And a lot of people just try and do their own thing. They say because they think that they're that great, and maybe they are very good. There's nothing wrong with that kind of mindset. But if you want to be strong and you want to really solidify yourself in the in any market, you've got to be open to networking with people. And the biggest trip is trying to take on too much from from personal trainers' point of view. Absolutely, yeah. Actually, from a business point of view too, it's the other side. It's, it's the same thing. You're talking about a business that tries to do everything. Yeah. You know, they think, okay, we're going to cater for this market, this market, this market. Um, and with clubs, it's probably the biggest thing that actually PTs will get involved with the wrong clubs. You know, they just want a, they just want a visa or they just want a job. They, they get they get promised a lot of things. 
they don't take the time to research properly into the club that they're working with or the people they're working with you know um it's it's like anything in life really what works for one doesn't necessarily work for another you know so people might be great as far as this business but maybe you don't connect with the team you know there starts being friction within the team and then you know you start getting jealous about people get clientele and and you don't kind of thing right yeah so um matching yourself with the right people and the right um business is really important as an individual just as important as putting your business in the right location is extremely important for your business it's no good for example using Dubai as an example it's no good running a um a high-end fitness spa and putting in our cuz i mean this is not the right demographic those people aren't looking for that uh, i've seen boxing gyms and stuff like that put in jumeirah you yeah. know that there's again they're not the demographic isn't there for that five people they don't look at that side of things so great ideas just been executed badly um and see that with a lot of trainers too a lot of trainers trying to do weight loss but then they try and work out in facilities that have a lot of bodybuilders yeah and so not creating the atmosphere not creating the service or not really delivering the right service for them so yeah um so from your time here how have you seen the industry evolve yeah that's i'm interested it explodes <laughs> um I think uh, I like to look at thing of the term. People jumped on the bandwagon. A very common thing you'll find here is that uh, PTs probably in 2008 after the, the financial crash, a lot of people left, as, like money left as well. Um, the economy is actually in a stronger place now, and, and with that that growth from 2008 onwards, there wasn't much regulations. So people kind of just jumped in, it's put the hand cowboy. up. Massive cowboys, cowgirls coming into the industry going, I can do this, bring it on. But there's no regulation. And from a people point of view, um, honest, look, people over here are very much about aesthetics. They're very much about status over here. And so that's where your networks can get stronger when you accept this, right? And what people have done, is they've just gone to found the, the leanest, ripped, sexiest looking persons they can find. And that's who their trainer has become. Yeah. I think that has a lot to do with social media as well because you you can be um, misled into thinking that someone who has a huge social media following is very well educated and proficient at their craft when that's not necessarily the case. You might – like I've seen some people on Instagram that can do handstands and that are professing all this yoga knowledge but they don't even have a yoga like background. Mm, They've never done a course or anything like that. And it's like, what? and you have like 500,000 followers yeah you're a yogi maybe in your personal practice but not you're not um, I think there to teach it to people eloquently enough uh, not every every good player makes a great coach yeah that kind of metaphor you're going in there um, but the industry has exploded I mean literally there's this massive curve in the last since 2008 was it 10 years now where it started off with just being a few PTs mainly commercial gyms Um, since then Every man and his dog wants to open up a studio or a, a business and a facility, uh, and that's where you've just seen so many. Um, it's oversaturated now. It's yeah. not saturated. I, I don't believe so. I think massively. Mm. Yeah. Why would you think that? Well, because for the population density, mm-hmm. I think uh, in terms of and the area. Like, if I look at say um, a different, like London. Let's take London for example. It's a huge city, and you go all the way. Do you call them? boroughs is that right yeah they do in the uk yeah yeah so you go out you have the population density to support the number of facilities that are within that um Mm. and here you have very 
small, this is just my personal opinion, oh. by the way, just you have a very small demographic area, huge numbers of facilities. Like when we were doing some market research, we were at almost t- over 200, right? Yeah. Yeah. 200 facilities. Just gyms as just, well. Just, yeah, within like 40 kilometers of mm-hmm. each other. And like thinking about yeah they were just gyms they weren't like spas and they weren't the hotels that also had gyms yeah, not and they yoga weren't studios yeah not they even weren't, building gyms yeah so. and not building gyms so when you start to factor all of those in there's thousands in a 40 kilometer radius it's it's a i think there's a lot a lot there um yeah, fair enough to say that. Um, we, I like yeah, like I'd it. like to hear your opinion yeah, on yeah, that. I look at it more like uh, there's a lot of nothing, if that makes straight <laughs> up sense. I was going to say like glass half full, half empty, but then you just went to nothing, to total emptiness. <laughs> it's like literally, cause, I mean, that's what happened. You know, people saw opportunities. People see this trillion dollar industry, this fitness industry and the like health industry. Great. I want to get involved. I want a piece of the pie. And the most common thing you've seen lately was a PT was good at his uh, trade and then someone who's had a bit of money. The two of them got together and they yeah. decided to open up a club, open up a business. Yeah. And you see tons of facilities running. Like you said, there is a lot of facilities within a 40K radius. Um, but there's a lot of the wrong facilities in, in, the, in most locations. People just, they find the cheapest spot they can, whether it be up a high rise or somewhere in, the, in the, the industrial area and they just try and open up and they try and go for it. And yes, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, numbered facilities absolutely but there's nothing as far as the uh, there's not sorry not nothing there's not much uh, that stand out in in the region here um you know but people I don't understand there's like 800 plus facilities or mm. gym facilities here most people know about maybe 20 yeah. or 50 maybe you know off mm. that um that's what i mean when i say there's a lot of nothing here and that's where I don't believe the industry is saturated because if you go to places like London and New Zealand you can have one friggin Every, every or two or three in every block, you know the demands there. Um, but also the population densities there. I, I think totally. potentially what just to segue on what you were discussing, um, that again I think here it's yeah there is a lot of nothing. But do clients know that that's nothing? I don't think no, that they, they do. I think that they're going to these facilities. A lot of the time, again, we're just generalizing. There's a, a lot of amazing facilities here and okay. there's a lot of amazing PTs here. Yeah. Um, there's like, yeah, a lot. I've like, obviously, you guys at the physical training company, there's a few others that are really, really good at what you do. Um, but yeah, then there's also from a, a client perspective, how do you know? Like, you don't. You don't. And, it, and that's about awareness. I mean, that's where the marketing comes down. For a lot of, and that's where a lot of... Uh, PTs marketing failed. always like honest though Come no it's on. not that's the thing um you know you've got some of the best minds that struggle and you got some of the worst minds that succeed massively yeah it comes well, down we've to seen marketing. that on social media a lot like i've found some of the most incredibly intelligent people on social mm. media and they have like 100 followers yeah uh, and they're doctors and they do all of this crazy amazing research mm. and stuff and then you see like the fitness yogi he's got 500,000 and has no idea about like any anatomy or physiology mm. or is it appropriate to teach people handstands day one like yeah i think what you're looking at there like just to take a few steps back from that is like people's attention is on instagram the public's attention is there so that's what they're focused on they're not i think if you get a word of mouth referral from somebody in your workplace or in your community you're gonna you're gonna go 
to that quality person. You know, you're going to test them out. So there's Instagram is kind of taking over people's attention on the most of the day. But when people get to the stage where they're really desperate, they tend to find, you know, the quality tends to be weeded out. It mm-hmm. tends to rise up to the to the top. Um, and people tend to go to, it's probably at their last resort. They find a doctor, they find a physio, the physio steers them to a referral. And then th- that's where people's networks mm. benefit them because they had the quality in the first place. Yeah. Um, if the public are following people online, it's, it's, they're going to eventually realize the, the quality of the person. Some people with big followings are top quality mm-hmm. and some people with big followings aren't. But eventually the market decides, you yeah. know, people's feet do the walking, do the talking rather. They'll go to the person, they'll see, they'll get on. Well, some people, some people pay trainers just, just to be there. Do you know, okay. some people pay, tra- some, you can, you can have, you could be four or five years in the industry as a trainer, pretty average and have a full client base because mm. you've, you've just found the clients that just, you get on well, you got a great rapport, they're stable in their, in their life, they just need to show up to the gym. Mm. You know, there's a whole lot of more factors. Um, the, per, the trainer's quality suits what the person needs and that person, that trainer is, is set for life um, and they might not have a, a bigger or a small following. Mm. There's so many dynamic, uh, what's the word, there's so many like variables um, in the industry but, the main thing that people need to sort of, uh, to, you know, because reps are present in the in the region. Reps is there, the register for exercise professionals to, to tell people in the public, your trainer needs to be certified by us. What we do is we look at their certification. We have a database and we compare their certification to the database and we mm-hmm. decide this person is good enough to go and, and work in this country or this person is not. This, You know, and if you're not... If, if you're not on the reps register, then either you haven't gone to the effort of applying or you, your thing doesn't make the cut. Mm. So I think the general public need to have a conversation with their trainer early on. I've never been asked. I've never been asked once in my own reps or no, in, in, in nearly five years. Yeah. Nobody's turned around to me and gone. Well, one of my clients actually said to me, I saw you online. I said, what are you talking about? My boss told, me, told us about just in conversation. So we went online and there you were. And I was like, you're the only person in... And that was that was about a year ago. Other than that, I don't think the general public know that this organization is there. This this regulatory board is there. Um, but even with them, they don't tell you who's the best and who's the second best and who's the third best. They just tell you you're at, these guys are out of standard. They're good to go. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's it. Like I have education again, isn't it? Or, yeah. from, or knowledge for the public to understand there should be certain um, criteria you're looking for. There's nothing. There's nothing here about that. It's all about marketing. Who's the, who's the leanest and who's the strongest or biggest? That's that's all you see with the, with the marketing, and then and that's going back to the saturation side of things. There's lots of things out there. Um, I think for people, even going further back again to where you were talking about PTs and where they're tripping up, it's a lot of PTs. It's about well, when, for me, when I look at people when they want to be with someone, there's a connection between the client and the trainer. 100% and maybe they're not the best and people sometimes accept that because what is a feel good factor and that's why they stay with their trainer results are great um, but you find a lot of people here they stay with their trainers simply because of that feel good factor the connection they have with them when they show up they Rapport. feel accountable they're, they're there and that's what makes stronger PTs because some PTs just think about oh I just want another day another session 
um, the education massively lacks here as far as knowledge about regulations on trainers or even most people think about going down to the beach they didn't know about you have to get a permit or a pass there's a massive lack of education um i don't want to say anything on online <laughs> from yeah. whereabouts but you know yeah i think as well it's people look at the regulation the wrong way and some sometimes they think the regulation is there just to make money off the people who want to train on the beach or the or this this company is just here in order to get licensing fees so that they can make money and it's like well if you look at it that way, that's one way. But if you look at it in a way where they're actually trying to protect you, they're trying to, if you meet the standards, you're protected because you are now above all the people who are, as as, you, as we referenced, cowboys or cowgirls. Do you know? Like, they're there actually to serve you if you're willing to accept, like, this, 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 uh, this regulation that's there. Like, a physio and a doctor needs to sign up to their board, their chartered society, or their their doctor's board, dentists, uh, chiro, the whole lot. Why would the healthcare industry be any different? Like it's slowly but surely it's getting there. But uh, I think a lot of the trainers actually begrudge the idea mm. of having to join up these these organisations oh, because they because they feel it's just money out of their pocket. I think that's just that's that small. You're not looking at the big picture. You're not looking at like. There's also the thing where every year you get to, you you have to learn. There, it's there because you'll be a better person. Again, it's not them trying to make money out of you, so you pay their their education supplier, and the education gives them a backhand, and everyone laughs off into their their uh, their Bentleys and their Mercedes as they drive home. It's it's there to make the general public safer. It's there to look after people who are paying you to 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 change their life to you know, to look after them, to help them. Um, so that's the big challenge, I think, is is differentiating the quality from... Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't from know the cowboys? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, when you look at the cowboys, let's take cowboys in themselves, because I, I also feel that... Or cow person. <laughs> yeah, the people who are... That sounded so weird. All right, let me, let, me, let me suggest it this way. The people who are in the industry to help people, they just haven't, they don't know that they need to be better. Do you know what I mean? They're, they've gone into a world of helping people. They've left school. They've gone to train someone. They've gone to join a gym. They want to get fit. They like being fit. They want to help other people be fit. So everyone's there from the best place. You mm. know, Everyone's there from the good of their heart. They want to they wanna make people healthier. If you don't know something... You don't know that you don't know it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So it's up to it's up to people above to like to elevate everybody. And I don't like the phrase raising the standard because I think the standard's quite high. I don't think the standard it's like we just need to get everybody continuing their journey, do you know? So I was dumb when I started in the industry. Absolutely hands up. As was I. Of course. Mm-hmm. Of course how we didn't just always have it <laughs> it wasn't inserted yeah <laughs> so you look at we them and still y- there <laughs> yeah <laughs> partially yeah so like you look at people who aren't good at, at certain things and it's like right it's not your fault hmm. it's only your fault if you're lazy and you're not progressing and you're you're stagnating and you're whatever like you said hmm. you're just going cash hour check it off the list session 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 then you're being a little come on like make hmm. the effort you've got into this industry and you've lost the love for it do something to find the love again but um, 
I think if if people are just helped along their way, you know, you've got to you got to stimulate people's brain and realize, oh, there is more I need to know. And you'll see people go, oh, I actually want to learn more. And I get asked questions all the time from trainers in the gym that I'm in. That, and it's stuff that I know I learned exactly this on my university degree. So there's no way this person is going to know this. So I'll sit and talk. And if, if I've got the time, I will tell them everything they're asking. Because it might stimulate a thought in the back of their head that there's this whole other world of pain. What is pain? This is what it is. Pain is this. I never looked at it that way. Okay. Maybe that person might go off reading about pain. Or at least they, there's now they know there's something that they don't know. Mm-hmm. So now they can go off and they have more information to better tra- uh, train and suit their clients. So this whole cowboy thing, like this is really where my passion for this website comes in is because we can make it easier for, for them to, to get information. They don't have to sacrifice money to go for weekend courses. They don't have to travel abroad to get the, the courses. We're going to try and bring it all, put it right in their lap so that people can now go, okay, wow, I didn't know, I didn't know this. We spoke to we spoke to Catherine Williams about menopause recently and... Uh, she taught me things there and then. She's like, menopause is only one day of the year, one day of your life. And it's termed 365 days after your last period. And I was like, didn't know that. I didn't know that either. And I learned, I it, no idea. I learned yeah. it sitting here on the couch. Yeah. But we've, we've, we've spoken about menopause and pregnancy quite a lot. Sorry. We'll bring it, we'll bring <laughs> it back to, to the, business, the business side of things. Um, if you were to give someone advice, take somebody who you kind of spoken. Initially, you're going to get someone, tell them, go into a club expand your network that's the people coming over from abroad people who are abroad maybe watching this um or listening in get in with an establishment build your client base get used to the city get used to the culture here and then and then continue on for people in the industry now who are thinking about making the jump out of a club or people who are freelancing and they're sort of how what, what advice would you have to give them on anything yeah, um, first of all, going from a PT into into that side of things, you've got to understand that the expenses, it's not as um, free to be able to just go, first thing you need trade license costs, some parts of the, the region you need a, a sponsor as well, you need to pay those kind of things, um, you're going to have to pay your own way, and you've got to realise there's seasonal work here, you're going to have times you have good times, you have times you have bad times, so you're going to um, you got to be honest with you. Are you good with managing money as well? Because a lot of people like to once they have it, they like to spend it quickly. And then over here, especially like during the summer times, things can dry up for some people. In fact, a majority of trainers, people go away during Ramadan, people go away during the hot season, people go away during school holidays, and people aren't very well prepared for that. So when it, when thinking as a PT or as a trainer, you want to get into more of your own thing. You want to pull away away from a club. First of all, you got to have a foundation. Um, of of clientele that are going to be very solid with you but you've also got to understand that that clientele is going to have time off as well in a, in a way so a foundation of, of um, clientele is having say six to ten clients that you know understanding one is going to go away at some point in time so you've still got five clients you're still going to train at least or if two of them go away you still have four clients you're still going to train so you've got to have a good clientele base before even considering moving away from wh- from where you're at and then when you're away from it you know, you've also got you're going to have the lack of well, the facility itself, so that's not going to be there anymore. So where are you going to train people? And if you're going to train people away from a facility, okay, you have to invest in your own equipment. Um, and then it could be if it's going into traveling to people's places and training them there, there's expenses there as well. I mean, not only as financial expenses, but there's time expenses. So it's not as easy as being in one club, one location, and, and trainers coming, oh sorry, clientele coming to train with you. 
you know, as soon as you go on your own, if you're having to go to their places all the time, you know, a 30 minute drive across town and then 30 minute back, that's a one hour you've lost from your, from your business, from your, from your day. So there's a lot of research needs to go in behind the expenses to actually set up what you are to be legally in the organization, you're part of the organizations as well. There's a side of how much time do I have and how can I, how can I run my business? If, if you don't know how to run a business, then the first thing you should be doing is be spending maybe six to or even a year with a business understanding the expenses because people they don't under, they don't understand it they don't know what they don't know right yeah exactly. so it's the whole thing of like um, a lot of people focus on these days they focus on the standard marketing avenues or streams where they go to on facebook or they try and do ads or they try and um, join an event or something like that where people aren't thinking about the people that actually they, they train at the moment so for example when someone starts off here and they get one client the biggest focus should be on one, making sure they achieve their goals, and two, they've really done a great job, or they've enjoyed the time as well. They've had an enjoyable time during the training, or they've they've got to their end and success quickly or effectively. When they do that, obviously that helps create a network, so it grows rapport and it gives a word of mouth. It's the same for a business in the, uh, as a studio or a company. It's the same for an individual. When you focus on that person, they they are your number one seller from helping you increase your business because they can share the experience with other people. They can, you, know, you see an advert on Facebook or you see a video on Facebook, which does help, don't get me wrong, but there's no emotional attachment to that. You're, well, that's what you're trying to do with marketing. You're trying to create an emotional attachment, whereas a person obviously can deliver that emotional attachment to other people. Now, when you focus on the people, say that you've got one client, they tell another client, great, so now you've got two clients. So you focus on, again, that service, and you focus on the experience that they have with you every single time. So they tell someone else, and it rolls on through that. And your marketing should be focused on those people you're currently training. There's a PT, the five to six people. Work on those guys, using them to deliver your message and your training to the outside world. Because it it's literally about... Um, a simple thing would be like you know if it's a, a shirt or a, um, a bangle or something that just creates the conversation or starts the conversation, something in their wallet, something on their car. You put marketing into that because people are inquisitive; they want to, they're curious, you know. So if, if someone opens up their wallet and they've got your PT training cards in there, oh, what's that? Or if you're wearing a, a, a bangle or um, a friendship bracelet type thing that's in your branding colors, they'll, they'll ask about it. People will ask about it. And from that, it initiates a conversation. The conversation, oh, I'm training with this guy or girl, sorry. And they start talking about it. And then that person who's gone through the experience can now share that experience. And that, that there's also starts a, a bond straight away without even having to meet the client. So the marketing you should focus on is about your clientele. First, the service. And then how do I use, or not use, sorry, how do we get your current clientele to market you and you're doing it by small things like a t-shirt's a very common thing for people to do but it's so common these days you've got to look at the peacock effect so how do you stand out from the crowd you know if everyone's doing the same thing so little things like bangles little things like a car sticker little things like um, photos or imagery or a little video with your clientele and, and being real is, is another big thing about that so marketing should be focused on people in your club if you're thinking about your club and how you're trying to market your club or the clientele that you train on awesome um so where can people find you online and where can they uh, hook up with you and just get in catch up with what you're doing uh the easiest place to find me um it's probably usually by email so grant at fitnesslink.me 
and they've got fitness link on facebook for for trainers is that I, fitness link so fitnesslinkpro.com is the actually a new website i've just launched and the idea behind that one is to help public connect with trainers and we didn't even talk about this another time yeah mm-hmm. we'll have to come back to that another time yeah and share the, share the knowledge on that one it's just a new th- new thing launching just something like yourselves you know there's there's ideas in the way how how help, help people yeah and that's another that's another way to yeah but i think for the fitness industry if it if it helps people connect with each other yeah. and helps professionals find clients and vice versa then mm. yeah it might be nice to have a chat about that but yeah, sorry, um, are that. you <laughs> on any other social media like instagram or facebook yeah linkedin instagram um twitter facebook it's all the same grant or say goes yeah, so it's <laughs> <who's, who's, who's. laughs> pretty good. <laughs> um, yeah, you can find me on all those avenues as well. Amazing. Awesome. Thanks so much for coming along today. It was oh, great chatting to you. Mm-hmm. Fun. See you soon, guys. Bye. <laughs>